And now, enjoy this free Jayzo Modcast show. Azroth. Minton. Zindos. By torture of blood and bone. You are already well known. Your victim's fate is secretly sealed until all their secrets are revealed. I release you from your earthly bond. Go forward now, my evil friend. Mythmaster Beyond. <laughs> Hello, children. I am back from vacation, and ooh, am I ready to just throw somebody in the chair and torture them for hours and slap them about? Oh, it's going to be great fun. And let me tell you, I've got a special treat, like always, for all you little childrens out there. <laughs> I've went across the pond into the valleys and hills of ye old Scotland, yes. And I've found somebody very worthy of my time and special talent. <laughs> Without further ado, would you please kindly welcome... Kate Dunbar. Do say hello, Kate. Hello, and it's great to be here. Oh, you won't say that here in a bit, especially after we dig into these questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's talk about some of my favorite things, of course. Um, some myths, perhaps, from Scotland. Of course, we have the number one everyone thinks of is Loch Ness. What are your thoughts on Loch Ness? I have been to Loch Ness many times. I have spoken to people who practically live there in the hope of seeing the monster, the Loch Ness monster. I, you can't eat a bonny latter, mm. but no one's seen him yet. Fair, fair. That, I think, is one of the best things about a myth, is that there, there is some evidence of truth, but no one is quite sure. <laughs> Another one I saw um, when I was looking it up, uh, this, I, I'm hoping I spell this correctly, is the Cory Vecran Whirlpool? Did I get that right? Have you heard I of that I'm sorry, I've never heard of that. Yeah, I was, I was um, trying to research some of the other myths in that area, and that's one that came up. So... I think I will just use the magic of the internet to go back there. <laughs> yeah. Of course, it's not going to work. Thank you, internet, for not working. Mm. Uh, let's go. Oh, right there it is. Yee. Woohoo. So we've got the Loch Ness Monster. We've got Kelpie, Selkies, Fingal's Cave, and the Cory... Cory Vecran Whirlpool. It sounded very interesting to me. <laughs> yes. So we'll just read a little bit for our readers. And again, um, this is a website for Scotland. It says scotland.org uh, slash features slash Scottish myths. Uh, so I'm going to go over a few. Obviously, we've talked about, you know, Loch Ness, Kelpies, uh, Selk Selkies, Fingal's Cave. Um, so the Gulf of Cory Vecan from the Gaelic Corbrechen, meaning 
cauldron of the speckled seas, or cauldron of the plaid, also called the Strait of Corryvecran, is a narrow strait between the islands of Jura and Scarba, off the west coast of mainland Scotland. So it looked really cool. It's like this giant whirlpool, and it uh, it. It says it has waves of more than 30 feet and a roar of a maelstrom can be heard from 10 miles away. So I was like, um, it says in a, a legend surrounds a Norse king. Uh, he moored his boat near the whirlpool to impress his father. Oh, impress the father of a local princess who wanted him to anchor by the whirlpool for three days and three nights. The prince had three ropes made, one from hemp, one from wool, one from the maiden's hair. Ooh, interesting. I'm I'm sorry I'm stealing some of your thunder because I'm like into this myth. I, I'm invested no. now. It was said that the purity of the maiden's hair would make the rope unbreakable. However, on the first night the hemp rope snapped. On the second it was the wool rope, and on the third night the hair rope snapped. The boat was sequentially dragged under. Oh boy! When the only surviving crew member dragged the body of the prince ashore one maiden racked with guilt confessed that she was not as pure as she was made out oh ho, ho, ho. okay that <laughs> that makes that wow. that makes that so much more worth it <laughs> hmm. i mean it's kind of like a woman lying about her age i'm not poking any straws or being mean it's just you know hey ah that's great um so Aside from Loch Ness, um, could you share with us perhaps maybe a local or a Scottish myth that you perhaps grew up or know of? Well, I can tell you about um, an entity that mm -hmm. I was aware of or became aware of when someone had decided to play with the, with the I can't say the word, I, am, I can't ever say this word. Is it, it the Ouija board? That's the one. Yes, yes, that's the one. Thank you. So um, they phoned me up and said that they were aware of something in their house that appeared to be incredibly nasty. And so I went to see what was going on. And it was. It was a, a, a Scottish Briach, uh, I think it's called. I'm not very sure about the, my pronunciation, but Briach, I think it was. And basically, it um, scared you with noises and things happening and doors slamming and knocking and buzzing and hissing and it made you more and more frightened and to the point it hoped that you died of fear and it would then obviously you know, take your energy uh, and that is is uh, that is a myth that i was very interested in uh, so the only thing i could do or think to do was to take it get it back into the circle that it had come to escape from uh, and find out its actual name, and then I could banish it, which is what I did, which was great fun. So but that's the only one I've got. Moral of the story, kids, don't use a Ouija board to phone a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, it's, it's specifically made to contact spirits. It never says whether they're good or evil. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can, I can pretty much tell you that most of the good spirits aren't going to be <laughs> answering <laughs> calls, you know. No. Uh, I always found it amazing whenever you see these videos of people, like, going into the woods and, you know, they're, like, calling out these spirits. They're literally calling to them. I'm like, you're in these haunted woods in the dark. <laughs> you know there are spirits out there and you're taunting them. Uh -huh. What's wrong with you? Yeah. 
<laughs> of course, I do it all the time because you know, I like to be. It's fun. It makes friends. <laughs> so you you um, I think you I don't know if it was recently or not, but I was kind of uh, milling about on your Facebook because I like to stalk people. You did uh -huh. um, an 11, 11 book challenge, or you had to do like a challenge where you had like eleven favorite books. Does that sound familiar? I'm afraid not. No, I mean it may have been a while ago. Yeah. Um, no, sorry, I don't remember. Yes, it was my my daughter. That's what it was. It was my daughter who started that one for me. Yes, I remember that. So you did you did read the eleven books? Yes. Yes. And of those, which was your favorite? I can't remember. <laughs> I, I honestly can't remember. I've got a brain like a sieve. No. I can only retain yesterday and today at the no. moment. <laughs> like that, that is actually quite a valid excuse. I, I barely <laughs> remember yesterday and I'm not so sure about tomorrow. And, and maybe mm. on Tuesday I'll figure out what day it is. <laughs> yes. So, um, a bit of your personal history, you actually worked on some plane parts for World War II, like some parts for the Spitfires, is that, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I, I started work at 15 and a half um, after leaving school, and they, they had built these gun sites in Ferranti during World War II. The ladies uh, on the floor were building them, and for some reason in 1968, I think it was, a whole horde of them came back to be rebalanced and uh, and basically tidied up. And that was my first job. It was a little um, gizmo that the the gyro mirror went onto, and I had to rebalance it mm. and then get it back into its little cage, and off it went back onto the, the the plane. It was the weirdest thing, but it was a great job. I loved it. Excellent. Um... So, uh, were you around 15 when uh, World War Two was going around, or...? No, no. Um, I was born in 49. Mm -hmm. So, you were you were just after the World War Two. Yes, then. just after mm -hmm. World War Two. yeah. Um, so, have you been pretty much born and raised there in Scotland, correct? Well, y yes. Um, I, I was taken uh, to Malta uh, when I was nine. My father was in the Navy, and I didn't know him for about, you know, at the beginning, because he was away for about two years at a time. And then he'd come home, and there'd be some lovely present, and then he'd be away again. But so sailors are normally on sea, but he got a, a shore base to Malta, because he was a, an electrician. And my mother, God bless her, wonderful woman, um, decided to take her three young children to Malta to be with my dad. Let's say I was nine at the time and I had two younger sisters and it was about three years between us so that would be about right and it was the most amazing thing it was the most perfect childhood sun sea and sailors I was too young to appreciate the latter but <laughs> great fun <laughs> well yes yes sailors are an interesting bunch you know I think, yes. I think any anybody who perhaps is a military and uh have been away from the opposite sex for quite a while and they get back home and you know there's a reason we have baby boomers that's what they're called yes yeah <clears throat> uh anyway we're going to move on um again looking on your facebook because i love to stalk the people i saw on there and i don't know if this is something you've personally done or maybe something you like but 
I saw where they were like repurposing these books and, and the pages they were cutting or folding into like making art sculptures out of that. Does that ring a bell? Oh yes, that that is absolutely beautiful. It was a wonderful thing. I think it we think it's a woman, but she stayed completely anonymous and she made these beautiful sculptures out of pages of books and left them in literary uh, circles like in a library or in a museum or you know that kind of thing and nobody knew who she was and nobody knew where she came from I think she did about 12 I could be wrong but my oldest daughter uh, took me around Edinburgh uh, we had a lunch and it was a lovely day took me around Edinburgh starting at the first one that was left and working our way around all the different venues that she left these at and it was lovely to see them in situ uh, and I think they're absolutely amazing I made a hedgehog once of a, a book <laughs> nothing compared but it was good fun excellent and i definitely appreciate the fact that you're very sharing and very giving i would like to ask you another question um perhaps not i don't know because i always like to ask if there what if if you sit down to read a book is there a favorite genre that you particularly like uh, I, my go-to genre would be, uh, I imagine, fantasy, fantasy or anything to do with ghosts. Uh, not so much horror as in, you know, blood and guts, but I like the creep up on you kind of uh, terror. I love that. So, so yeah. there's more like along the lines of suspense and maybe a small jump scare. Does that sound about right? Yes, that's about right. And... Do you watch many movies over there? Do you have a favorite movie, perhaps? My all-time favorite has got to be Alien. Oh, the first oh, one. I did not I, see uh, that one coming, but yes. I, I would take it. That's an oldie but a goodie. Oh, yes. I, I honestly wish that I had amnesia so I could see that again for the first time because it was incredible. Yes, I, I think that one was... It was, uh, I think it was the very, one of the first science fiction horrors, if I remember. It's, it's been a hot minute since that movie. That was a young Bill Paxton and a young Sigourney Weaver. Um, you know, so some of our future stars in that one. Yeah, definitely. Wonderful thing. Oh, to have that imagination. <laughs> H.R. Geiger, he's a twisted man. Mm -hmm. Gotta love him. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Even, I don't think he wrote that story, but I know that the the um, the movie was based off of his artwork. And I believe there was um, a movie called Prometheus that was based more on it, and of course Alien Two and Alien Resurrection and Alien Goes to China and all this other. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, let's just say that I'm feeling generous today, so I think we'll just get you off with some lacerations and maybe a good contusion and a head wound, maybe even a concussion. I think that sounds pretty fair. So, <laughs> Thank you. Yes, off, off good behavior. We'll untie these ropes and you can go talk to Kevin, who's really very boring you compare him to me <laughs> and to the rest of you i'm going to say don't ever blink don't ever sleep which kate doesn't by the way she is insomniac anyway because i'm always waiting i'm always watching <laughs> mm.
Well, um, Kate, it looks like uh, we're working to you to be on the layer. Uh, this is your post-interview uh, after you get out of the lair of the Mythmaster, so congratulations. Um, sorry about the head wounds, you know? Uh, it looks, it kind of, I've seen worse. It looks like he let you off uh, pretty easily there, so. I feel fine. <laughs> you feel fine? Yeah, yeah. I feel fine. Yeah, you, you did better than most. You did better than most. You survived it, so. Uh, and again, uh, you know, it's a pleasure to have you here today, so thank you so much for uh, sitting down and taking the time to talk to me. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So um, I will, again, I, my, I, I, well, one of the things I kind of really like to ask is about um, interesting questions. As far as, like, what's one thing about Scotland that people always get wrong? Uh, well, there <coughs> There is one small thing that I find very amusing. I'll give you a for instance. Uh, an English lady walked up to a gentleman, a Scottish gentleman in a kilt, and said to him, is anything worn under the kilt? And he said, no, madam, everything's in perfect working order. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I, um, I, I think that is one of the cooler things about that as um a lot of like i don't know if the word is heritage or not but like just general kind of like really cool stuff um i went to a highland festival in ohio here in the states and um i ended up buying myself what's called what's considered a tactical kilt and i i would say being an american male uh, in his late forties, <laughs> uh, sporting a kilt, sporting a kilt and a sporin, uh, it, it's an unusual experience. Um, but I, I have to say that having done it and I still own the kilt, um, I, I don't know. It kind of grows on you. Uh, so I mean, it freaks people out. So that's one thing I kind of like about it. But, um, it's very interesting to kind of like just do certain things that you're not used to. I mean, it's a lot breezier for sure. <laughs> uh, yes. um, so we were kind of talking about a few food things and I kind of wanted to touch base back on those um, because we brought up haggis and we brought up scotch eggs. So I'm going to let you handle the haggis part and I'll talk about the scotch eggs. So let's, let's talk about haggis for a minute. Tell everybody what haggis is. Well, haggis uh, is an amazingly interesting food in as much as it uses up all the parts that normally would be thrown away, all the offal, mixed with oats and uh, the blood from the animal. And then it's coated in a cowl, or it used to be, which is that part that's sort of milky white, shreddy kind mm. of uh, skin thing that covers them and that they just boiled them and then they ate it. And I particularly like haggis. Um, we have a myth that the haggis has two long legs on one side and two short legs on the other to enable it to run around the hillside much more easily. <laughs> so, wow, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, and then in, in Scotland at uh, New Year, we have on online uh, spot the haggis. And they have haggises in various places all over Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And if you're the first to say, I spotted the haggis on that particular picture frame, then you get a prize. So that's good fun as well. I'd say one thing that I always kind of found interesting, um, and I don't know if it's like a local Scotland thing, but caber tossing. Um, I just, I don't know, I'm fascinated by it, but I just don't want to know, uh, you know, I don't want to try it myself. I mean, I, I get it. I would be like, ooh, it's really cool to toss something the size of a telephone pole, you know, end over end. It's just a manly thing to do. Uh, and, you know, and again, most of these guys are like, in kilts. Um, so that's very impressive. I will also say, uh, I don't know, I think, I can't remember if it's one of those things where you either like it or you don't, but... I don't know that I've ever heard anybody like not enjoy the sound of bagpipes. Um, I think that's one of those traditional instruments that it, we'll use the word haunting, but I think when you hear that particular instrument, that's something that identifies as this is from Scotland. Yes, yes, I love, I love them. I love hearing the bagpipes. Uh, I was many, many, many years ago. I was in a small establishment that sold whiskey just off the Royal Mile. And it was the time when the tattoo was on. I don't know if you're aware of that, but it's a, it's a yearly thing where they bring together all the military uh, and all the pipe bands and everything up in Edinburgh Castle. So I had been to the, the tattoo and it was coming on to about 11 o'clock at night into this little pub uh, and downstairs to the basement. And there in the corner, was the lone piper. He is the man who stands on the battlements at the end of the tattoo and plays the most haunting, beautiful music mm. to end it. And he was sitting in the corner and we persuaded him to play for us. Oh, that couple of whiskeys to go me up. Right, to right. Nothing, nothing is, uh, I, think, yeah. I think that's a universal barter tool. Uh, yes. And I think it's good anywhere in, a, in, the, un, you know, in mm. the world. I <laughs> I know that here, you're here in the Americas, uh, if you would like your friend to do something, and, and I guess it kind of depends on the amount of labor, it's, you know, anywhere from a can of beer to a case of beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fundamental, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I have to say, it was the most, as you say, haunting, it was the most magical haunting thing I think I've ever heard, because there was total silence, mm -hmm. and then this beautiful mute, oh, it's just lovely. So yeah. yes, it can be horrible. If you mm -hmm. come across somebody who's trying to learn it, mm -hmm. but when it's done properly, absolutely wonderful. Yeah, and and one of the things that I always kind of like hear and when I when somebody's talking about the bagpipes is that um, they always talk about like it's one of those instruments that um, a musician can basically pour raw emotion into. And the effect definitely comes out uh, because I always hear a lot about, you know, just give your sadness to the pipes or give this to the pipes. And, and I think that's one of those things where that instrument is more part of you because you are using a lot of your body to provide your, you know, your, your air from your lungs to provide the wind. You're using your arms to kind of squeeze the bag at a certain interval. Uh, and then the actual playing. I mean, so all of that is a skill. And over time, I think, like, and again, I'm just taking a complete guess because I've never played bagpipes, but this is all just speculation. But I think, you know, you've got somebody maybe playing for 20, 25 years, the more the merrier. But I think it's just one of those things where 
that's why they're so connected to that particular instrument is that they're giving so much of themselves physically uh, that it, it wanting to know whatever they put in they get out yes I agree I agree I have a friend a friend of a friend who, who plays the bagpipes and he's always asked to do it at weddings and things mm -hmm. and he is the most gruff uh, rough looking chap um, he kind of grunts at you you know he's not pre-proposing in any particular but he plays the bagpipes like an angel it's incredible it's a completely different person and uh, I love it <laughs> that's great that's a good story thank you um, so we will kind of transition away from that for a minute. We're going to talk to you about, you know, your life as a, as a creative artist now. Um, so tell us just a little bit about your journey. Let's, let's talk about like maybe what first inspired you to start writing. Uh, I think like everybody, when I was a teenager and things were getting very antsy, I would kind of scribble down my thoughts, but I, I didn't know. There wasn't much of it, 16, 17, and then I forgot about it. And then came the pandemic. Uh, and of course, at my age, I had to self-isolate from the very beginning of it. And as you mentioned, I'm an insomniac. I don't get a lot of sleep. And I have, I did have hobbies that filled my hours, because I'm retired, obviously. And I would do, I do macrame, and I make dream catchers, and I make pin and string art, which is the best, by the way because you can spend hours tapping these tiny little nails into a piece of wood and all your aggression goes, great fun. <laughs> and then you produce something at the end of it. So I did all those things and I made jewelry and I, I have an eBay account where I buy and sell on eBay. So that was fine. But then we had, I couldn't go out anymore. I couldn't go to the antique centers and I couldn't go to, uh, to my classes and things. And I needed something. So I started to think about writing again. Uh, and, and so that's what I did. I got into it again. Uh, for the first year, I got nothing but rejection, which is normal. You know, it's not unusual. <clears throat> but it didn't, it didn't put me off because I'm doing this for fun. Yeah. I, and I just really want people to read my things. It's not a matter of anything else. Mm -hmm. It's just I wanted it out there. So I was, uh, luckily, I came across... Uh, world of myth and stephanie and she took she was the first person to publish any of my stuff stuff <laughs> what an elegant word but mm -hmm. um and i'll be forever grateful for her because she she was very she was very helpful and very kind and i really i really am very grateful for that mm -hmm. so i went from strength to strength after that just got things out in different places i actually now i have a i had a bucket list and i only had one thing on it and that was that i wanted to, to someone to buy a story or a poem of mine mm -hmm. just for self-justification just to know that it was something I could do right. uh, and you know that was all it was all so I sent things off to different places and a, and a magazine in America uh, took one of my fantasy stories and paid me $25 there you go hey that... and, I got it, and I got the check and I framed it yeah. I, I'm so sad but you, it's still on my wall you are a legit ever. writer now yeah that is a hundred percent that you can just mark it cool. off your list because again that's somebody paying for your book that's awesome uh so kudos to you that's that's amazing um well, that was a nice little yeah nice little bust for me yes and i apologize we're going to circle back around to this here in a minute because i, I that's how my brain works we get we get talking about one thing and my my brain just goes dee -dee 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 off on the side adventure um so real quick i know we kind of talked about this when we um had our initial phone call 
and you were so kind to talk about haggis, um, I would like to take a moment to talk about scotch eggs because I found them and they're amazing. Scotch eggs are amazing. So, um, to make a long story short, uh, uh, hang on just a second. I want to make sure I get this right. There we go. Uh, I believe they, again, originated, obviously, is, um, you generally believe the Scotch eggs turn, in turn, derived from the British encountered in the Raj, including a Mujaji dish called Nargi Kofta. Interesting. Uh, invented by a luxury London department store in the 18th century. Interesting. Wow. Uh, originated in the Whitby area of Yorkshire in the late 19th century. Um, so, let's see here. Uh, so, again, I'm just kind of reading off internet stuff, so, but I'll kind of get into what I do. Uh, so, the practice of encasing a pre-cooked egg in forced meat developed not in Scotland but in North Africa. Uh, technique made its way to Britain via France and uh, first recorded in England during the reign of Elizabeth I. Um, they were originally spiked with cloves and highly spiced in an attempt to sweeten the often putrefying meat. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Um, so, I'm going to read a little bit more history here and then we'll actually kind of get to the more modernized version. It says here they originated in the Whitby area of Yorkshire in the 19th century. Originally, they were not covered in sausage meat but a rich creamy fish paste before being sprinkled with breadcrumbs. Their name in those days was Scotty's allegedly because they were made at an eatery by the name of William J. Scott and Sons, close to the seafront. Hence, over a period of time, the term Scotch Eggs was developed. This was thought to be the major, uh, because the major food stores who wanted to start selling to the Yellow Sea were unhappy with the name and adopted a more formal approach to marketing. Um, <clears throat> so, a little bit of history. That, again, that's kind of one, like, one of those things. It was kind of like one of the first to-go mills of the olden days. They would kind of hand you at this tavern, and it would kind of keep during a long journey. Uh, that's the story I got. But um, modernized scotch egg is a hard-boiled egg. And again, when I say hard-boiled, um, there are different varyings. Like you can go anywhere from the yolk is slightly runny to the yolk is hard-boiled. So it's kind of a personal preference on how hard-boiled it is. So you take a hard-boiled egg uh, and you wrap it in usually like a breakfast sausage type because you know breakfast sausage reasons <clears throat> um so then there are several schools on what to do after this we're just going to go with a basic recipe so you got it wrapped in sausage you are then going to uh basically bread it with breadcrumbs and then deep fry it uh, and then voila the meal is complete after it's deep fried for about seven minutes so that's the very simple and basic recipe uh, but uh I, I have adapted my recipe. We actually uh, we actually really <laughs> went crazy with it on Thanksgiving. So I, I like spices and stuff. So I put some uh, panko breadcrumbs instead of regular breadcrumbs. I added some smoked paprika to the breadcrumbs. Uh, so again, I get a bit more of that smoky flavor. So mm -hmm. I, again, I uh, you can use like green onions in the meat mixture. So when you deep fry those, that green onion flavor comes out really amazingly. So okay. that, that, that's all free information for the world out there, by the way. <laughs> um, so we, Oh my God, they're so amazing. They're life changing. And again, the simpler is usually probably the better, but I like to go crazy and watch people's, you know, their like eyes light up and their face melt from the deliciousness. <laughs> but um, 
I cut this scotch egg in half and you know again my, my nephew he's a big fan of them and he's like hey what if we did deviled scotch eggs and I'm like wait what where are you going with this so uh -huh. we did deviled scotch eggs and oh my god it, it's like one of those moments where you, your life gets changed again and you're like this really works because the mustard goes so well with the sausage itself but uh mm -hmm. oh my gosh yeah um so again yeah scotch eggs are amazing things and i cook some of the weirdest stuff um i cook like an american americanized version of gumbo it has like some of the traditional recipe uh ingredients from gumbo like the holy trinity you know celery cream pepper and onion but i add like tomato base to it here and there and different spices like cajun seasoning but it's amazing because it's gumbo and uh it was something we cooked we cooked at thanksgiving and it has its own little personal history with with my nephew and uh so that was kind of an interesting thing so now, now that we've gotten good and hungry from talking about food yeah <laughs> but you know seriously um if you would like my recipe for scotch eggs i'm more than happy to give that to you um, oh yes please yeah most definitely i will i will forward that to you <clears throat> but um let's get back to the actual conversation here so uh, again you, you discovered uh your pat you know kind of rediscovered writing uh when you got back later in life and, and you've been with world of myth for a while and um again you know one of the things that i found with world of myth when i first found them is again they are very accepting and i was brought in under a, a gentleman by the name of terry shearer and he was the editor-in-chief and um, I was introduced by my cousin and I met Dave and Stephanie came on later on but the one thing that I've always noticed with the world of myth is that they're very they're very welcoming and you know, even if even if what you have isn't like exactly what they want they're more of a constructive criticism kind of website in that you know can you make this this or can you have this say this but overall the general is welcome to our crazy family <laughs> so yes i like that um so let me think of any other questions i might want to ask i know we talked about ghosts and stuff and i'm i'm thinking you believe in ghosts right well uh, it's a it's a dichotomy with me because i mean come on who can believe in ghosts? <laughs> the, the sensible side of me says, oh, come on, Kate. You're... It's interesting, but you can't believe in it. But um, I have had some incredible experiences myself, you know, and I don't lie to myself. So it's, it's I know something is there. And yet, again, you see, my sensible side says, for goodness sake, you're making a fool of yourself, woman. But I love the mysticism. I I'm so interested in all of it. So whether I believe in it or not, I get a lot of enjoyment out of uh, the things that have happened and the things that will happen and the mysticism of it is wonderful yeah and i think regardless of you know real or not real or whatever we you know whether it's your mind playing tricks on you or whether there's an actual spirit um i think kind of like the allure of it is that it's a mystery uh that we don't really know for sure if yes, there, exactly. you know if there is life after death or if it's not so much mm -hmm. life but like your your residual energy that you've had as a you know someone could call it a soul um mm -hmm. but that residual energy has to go somewhere 
Mm. Well, they say that yeah, energy is never destroyed. Energy is always there in some form or other. I can tell you one little thing very quickly that made my mind blow. Um, we were doing the the board, the board that I can't say, amongst a few friends, um, and we got in touch with what appeared to be not a dead person, not a spirit, but somebody who was living way in our future and awaiting. Um, I think it was a lung something or other weird uh, um sorry i've lost the word what's the word when you when you have something to your heart trap yeah anyway he was waiting for an operation and he was being held under and big comatose because they wanted to keep his energy and keep him stable and it was supposedly his subconscious mind that was reaching out mm. and mm. found us going is there anybody there now this entity we called him l uh was the funniest cleverest biggest personality and night after night four of us were there writing it all down and he was you know the the planchette was moving and we were taking down what he was saying and i had said to him uh, my then husband was looking for a new job uh and uh, he i said he's going to go on this liner this cruise liner because he's a baker and l said you know he shouldn't do it and of course me being me you have to give me a reason you can't just say no and he said no you know i can't tell you things that will change the future and I said, but, you know, this is a big thing. He could get a job that's going to be far better than the one he has. And you're just telling us, no, give me a reason. Well, of course, he did. He said, eventually, he said that if he'd gone on this cruise ship, it was going to crash and burn and everybody was going to die. So he wasn't to do it. And then suddenly he disappeared. The entity that was in the, the, the planchette had gone. And he never did that. It was always, I always closed the circle. And of course, we all, you know, what's what's happened? And I was pale, white, nearly fainted with the fright of all. And uh, then it started to creep around the board and it spelt out concentrate. Now, normally this moved like there was no friction when he was doing it. So we concentrated on this entity that we knew as L and, you know, come back, what's happened, tell us. And then suddenly it just came to life again. But it was different. Hmm. There was a different energy. It was a case of we've done it. We've beaten them, them with a capital T on prisons. And they tried to stop me and they tried to take away my mind. But together we're stronger than ever. And I thought, oh, my goodness me, what have we done? So I said on one breath, you know, in, in, in God's name, we close this circle. Amen. Good night. Boom. And gone. And I never did it again. Hmm. I was, and I could feel him. I could feel him in the house trying to get in touch with me. Now, doesn't that sound completely mental? But amazing, amazing. And that's one of the things that I lived through and still can't believe happened. Yeah. Um, just for our listeners, and no offense, but uh, the word Kate is trying to say is Ouija board. It is O-U-G-I-A. If I, or no, O-U-J-I-A. It's really weird. Ouija. Ouija, Ouija. A lot of people say it differently. Yeah. But um, it's, look, Yeah, it's, it's French and German for I, is it? Yeah. We, yes, it's French and German for yes. Mm -hmm. The French is we and the German is yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's what it's supposed to be here. And I can't say it. <laughs> yeah. And um, again, if you look up what a Ouija board is, it, it generally, it, it, some consider it a game, but in most cases, it is a device. Uh, with I think it's called a planer. Um, but anyway, uh, it is used to contact... We'll just say spirits. 
uh, and or entities that are beyond the human um, dimension and so uh, take for that you know use that how you will <laughs> um, don't recommend it myself because creepy and uh, if you don't know what you're doing uh, it can definitely be a very bad experience so I, I don't yes, I, agree totally. I, I don't recommend it um, so let's you you've been writing again quite a while now have you had anything like published you said you had um, somebody pay you for a book so you did have something published and paid for um, have you written anything recently uh, for publication uh, yeah well um I've been sort of concentrating more on the poetry side at the moment, although mm -hmm. I do have two or three stories uh, that are sort of boiling away under the surface. Um, quite a few magazines were, were taking the things that I, I set up. Some would take my fantasy and mystery, some would take my humour. Uh, but as I say, the poetry seems to have taken over quite a lot. Um, so I'm not, I'm not actually putting things out to be published at the moment. I've got stories and poetry in five different publishing five different hardback books and i've got quite a few in uh, on different online magazines but i'm not paying as much attention as i did before to that because i'm enjoying i'm enjoying the poetry and i'm enjoying reading, writing my little stories on the side as well and that's probably the best way to do it um is I, and again, this is advice I give to anyone, is that you always create for yourself. Do do the things that make you happy, and then, you know, you share that thing, and if somebody likes it, that validation, it, it can drive you uh, to create more, because you're like, okay, well now somebody out there has a mind that kind of thinks like mine, or that enjoys the things my mind creates. So, having, having a validation like that is amazing. Oh, um, it is, yes. So we will kind of talk about if you wanted to say something to somebody out here who's, you know, maybe thinking about writing something, but they haven't really had the guts to, or again, just, you know, what would be your advice to somebody who's like, man, I just don't really know if I should write something. Um, what would your be, advice be to that person? Uh, yes, that's a difficult one because everybody reacts differently. Yeah. I, I, for one, I, I don't mind criticism in the slightest. A critique, not you know, a critique, whether it's negative or positive. I, I like it because I can't get better unless somebody tells me what I'm doing wrong. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it. So it never put me off. Uh, as I say, it does. Some people, the rejections can be quite heartrending, but I would say go for it basically just go for it because you want to see your thoughts there on the screen or on paper uh, because they're there in your mind and they need to be free otherwise they'll just niggle at you in the background and you feel mm -hmm. that you haven't done what you wanted to do and don't be scared because nobody can see you um you know so you can send something excuse me one second i do apologize my throat's going uh, yeah, you don't have to be frightened of other people's reactions because they're not going to affect you long term. Just do what makes you happy and get those words out. I um, I've written a lot about the process of writing, uh, and I've, and you know how it makes you feel and, and what it does, because I, I do enjoy that side of it a lot. Um, but yeah, don't be scared. Just go for it, and you will possibly get a rejection and if you do you just have to say 
I'll work harder. I'll hold my words. I'll get my things out there. Right. And it will resonate with somebody at some point, and it does. I, I would say as far as uh, to, to the authors out there, uh, as far as rejections, it's not so much if, it's when. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's probably coming whether you like it or not. Um, yeah. yeah, oh my gosh, I can remember the rejection letters I used to get. Uh, and it's heartbreaking, you know, because you've, you know, put, you know, a finite amount of time into something and like this is your passion and somebody coming back to you and be like eh, nah <laughs> <laughs> terribly sorry but okay yep. yes how about new be so uh, yeah. before we wrap up I've got a couple questions and then we're gonna let you go um, but the first question I have for you is do you happen to have any like a website or a, something that your fans can kind of go to and read works by you or um, I know you write for the world of myth, obviously, but um, do you have like a collection of things that they can go to and look look at? I did have quite a while ago. I had one of these uh, things that you put all your work on, and people can click on it and see what you've done. But I've kind of neglected it for the past uh, few months, so I don't even know. I don't even know if I can get to it. If I'm honest, you know, my memory. You've gathered by now. My memory is not the very best. Uh, so, but so no, I'm afraid not at the moment, um, which is annoying. But I should have done something about that. But at the moment, no, I don't. But I'm under Kate McDonald, um, and I think my bio on World of Myth does have a few of the places that my work's been. Okay. But, but I'll have another look at it, maybe. But the, yeah. but the World of Myth is, is kind of one of those places that you're kind of going to hang around and create. Yeah, cream yeah. And, and I've got like. Uh, well, a lot of different uh, online magazines that I've written for, uh, and again, offhand, oh. I, I should have done something about this, but I didn't. You can see how much, uh, how lazy I'm becoming. Yeah, we all have our days and our moments. Trust me, it's it's there. There are days when I'm like, nope, not today. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then sometimes there are weeks and months that happen like that. So. Um, so the final question, the million dollar question, and I'll, I kind of like this one. Um, what's the most important thing you've learned during your lifetime? Oh, right. Well, I've lived quite a while. So you'd think there'd be a few things that pop in. I think forgiveness. Ooh, good one. I think that's the, the one thing that I had to learn because I realized that the people that you dislike or if you've got the energy hate, don't feel it. They don't know. They don't have that. You can walk past them and they wouldn't even care. So they're not hurt by it. The only person that's hurt by that is yourself. Yeah. Unless you're actively going to do something about it, let it go because yeah. it doesn't. It just melts you and, and the person that you're aiming at never feels it. Yeah. So yeah, that's the one thing. Forgiveness. All right. Well, good. Yeah. And again, real quick. Um, I've often heard, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but like, you know, holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Oh, exactly. So much better put than I did. Oh, I like it. Concise and to the point. Wonderful. That's what I meant to say. In actual yeah. fact, that's exactly what I meant to say. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that has stuck with me for the longest time. And I'm like, wow, that that's very profound. And and it, it makes perfect sense, you know. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like, again, somebody carrying a glass of water. 
you know, and you're walking around your entire life with this class and what comes out of it depends on who you are and how you handle it. So, you know, if you spill something out, is it water or is it acid, you know, and that depends on the kind of person you want to be. All right. So um, with that, we're going to wrap up the interview with uh, Kate Dunbar. And again, just wanted to say thank you so much for uh, sitting down with us. We hope to see much more from you on the world of myth. And uh, you can expect that scotch egg recipe in, in your email. Um, of course, you're welcome to ask questions, as my nephew often does. He actually called me like two days after Thanksgiving. He's like, hey, Uncle Kevin. He's like, uh, hey, what, what kind of breading do we use? And what kind of you know spices do we use? And I was like, yeah, well, you know, it just depends. But it, it's more about the creative process. Uh, you add what you want to it and make it your own. But, uh, but yeah, I will send you the recipe for the regular scotch egg. And then, uh, again, um, I don't know if deviled, egg, deviled eggs are a thing over there, but um, I would recommend deviling the eggs and, and trying a batch like that. And it's absolutely life-changing. Such <laughs> um, marvelous. Right? So, again, thank you again for just for sitting down with us today. And uh, for everybody out there, this is... Kevin the Mythmaster Adams and I'm hoping that you have a wonderfully blessed day and I hope to hear from you um, again sometime Kate you're, you're an excellent person loved talking to you thank you so much you made it very pleasurable <laughs> alright everybody <laughs> let's all have a good day and uh, be safe out there <laughs>